Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hey, this is Jen. We are here today with a short episode talking about Reasons Rainbow Rowl Rocks. Before we get started fangirling all over Rainbow Rowl, yes, that is a book title pun. Unintentional at first, (laughs) and then I went with it. We would just like to remind you all, sorry, they're both laughing and rolling their eyes at their dorky friend. It's fun. We um, love her. <laughs> we would like to remind you to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts to help more listeners find us. So we have talked about Rainbow Rowl so much on the podcast that we decided we needed a short episode devoted just to her. And we just thought that we could share some of the reasons that we think all of her books are, are great examples of literature that we like to read. So one of the things we love is romance and the great romance and chemistry that she includes in her novels. So what are some of your favorite examples of romance in Rainbow Rowell's books? Well, I was thinking that I don't love romance. Um, so That's true. That was a generalization. I, I love skipped. romance. I do too. Um, so, but I think that is a tribute to, I felt like that was relevant because that's a tribute to what a great writer she is and how she, I swoon as a reader when I read her books. And I think that's a really good sign because it doesn't, it never feels really dramatic um, or forced. And I don't feel like I'm getting manipulated, but everyone is just really in each of the stories that I've read of hers, the tenderness between the characters who are falling in love is always really rich and believable and sweet and it creates all the right feelings for me (laughs) so I feel like I have a pretty narrow window of tolerance for that kind of thing and she hits it for me so that's good that's good well and I as you know I love a romance Um, (laughs) but what I think that I love about her is she kind of reminds me of John Green Mm -hmm. as well in the way that she's able to portray teenagers in a realistic and authentic way. And even when the book is steeped in fantasy, Mm -hmm. like carry on and wayward son, I still, I still feel, feel, that's a tough one. I still feel like she is staying authentic to teenagers Mm -hmm. and the things that they have to face. And, um, especially with Simon and Baz, I think that she does a really good job of showing the um, tenderness between them, but but also Simon's hesitation as he's becoming as he's becoming comfortable with his sexuality. And I don't know, I just feel like she does a really good job of showing the things that teenagers face and in an authentic way, but still provides these swoony moments that I just. I'm always here for. Yeah. So it's still, it's still, I'm having trouble with that <laughs> word today. It always feels realistic to mm-hmm. me. And I really like that. I was re-listening to Eleanor and Park, which I have not read for a long time. I messaged Sarah and Ashley and said, I had forgotten how much I love this book, but I had just forgotten how sweet it is. Like the first time they hold hands mm-hmm. and it just 
makes them giddy and they're both just reeling for the rest of the day because it's this next step in their relationship. Oh my gosh. I was driving in my car just like grinning like a lunatic because it was just, (laughs) it's so sweet. And I think like you said, it is so authentic to teenagers who have not had a serious relationship Mm -hmm. before and who are experiencing that connection for the first time and that it doesn't, yeah, that there are baby steps that they're taking. And I mean, she writes the awkwardness yes. too very well. It's it's both it's both tender and sweet and swoony, but also re- extremely awkward uh-huh. like those first relationships are. And I just love that. And Eleanor and Park, I have to say, was the first book I ever read of hers. Same. And it, I read it right after I started teaching uh, eighth graders. Mm. And I read it. It was like my first young adult book. And I read it and I was like, oh my God, this is what young adult is like now. Because the only other experience I'd had was when I was in middle school yeah. and high school. And there was nothing like that, right. especially with Eleanor and the po- body positivity. Mm-hmm. I mean, like just having a character that represents someone who is not Elizabeth and Jessica from Sweet Valley High. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like. Eleanor seemed more representative of most teenagers that I see that I, that I had come in contact with. Mm -hmm. She has issues and she, um, I mean, and she's representative of a body that is not, you know, cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. And I just really appreciated that and thought it was really remarkable that that was available for, for students now that was not available when, I was in school. Definitely. I think you see that body positivity in the recent release, Pumpkinheads, as well. Mm -hmm. It's a graphic novel. And the main character just has a normal body. And you see it depicted there on the page. And they address it. And it's just part of her life. And, yeah, I just think it's great. I think it's, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like she does a good job of giving commentary on bodies in general mm-hmm. and in, in, in a way that is authentic to real life but is often not reflected in the book because or in books because even with attachments which is adults mm-hmm. and their first experiences both does the, all the giddiness hold up I think for the relationship between the characters and also there's a lot of commentary I mean even the the man I can't think of his name right now apparently I should have been <laughs> checking on names prior to this but even the male in it who is um, kind of big and hulking and sometimes is described in those ways, there's commentary about that. Right. And so I think that, again, that is real life, but often we don't see it in books. So it's not just the women who mm-hmm. there's commentary about, but there's also commentary about the men as far as the body positivity goes. And then I also feel like when we were talking about the romance, I've seen, I've loved that in Fangirl and Carry On in Eleanor and Park for the young relationships, but she was able to replicate that even with the adults Mm -hmm. and attachments she wrote earlier. But I think it's that same, even though it is adults, it's still the fresh new buds of a relationship. And I think she shows that stage with such accuracy and finesse, Mm -hmm. and it just makes it really fun for the reader. Yeah. That makes me think of fangirl which is my personal favorite and levi and cather and one of the things cather fixates on about levi is his receding hairline and it's just kind of this joke through the book but i do think i mean that's how i think people are that we love each other for our flaws as much as for the things that might seem ideal to other people those are the things that bring about affection and so i just think that's realistic and you said something about humor, and that's another thing that I love about her books is the way that she weaves this humor. Mm-hmm. 
And I hadn't read Carry On until Ashley and Jen both were yeah. like, you have to read it. You have to read it because they knew much, how much I liked Harry Potter and um, and how much I liked Rainbow Rowell. So I read it. And at fir- I have to say, at first, I was... I thought it was a little bit of a ripoff as a from a, from the standpoint of a Harry Potter fan, but then once I got got into the story, mm-hmm. I realized how it's a trip more of a tribute yeah. to that genre and to uh, and it also has its very own story and a lot of other stuff going on. But what I loved is the way that she uses humor mm-hmm. in the book, and I I listened to it and the narrator. If you if you like audio and you want to read Carry On, the the narrator for the audio of Carry On is fantastic. But the way that the humor, I would be laughing out loud yeah. at some of the stuff that they would say, especially that dynamic and the chemistry between Baz and Simon as friends, and then later as well. As a couple, I guess that's not a spoiler. That's what I was worried about. <laughs> oh, I think that's okay. I think I that's mean, okay. I mean, yeah. yeah. I think it's okay. But I mean, just the way the dynamic between the two and the way that she writes the their humor mm-hmm. and their their uh, the banter yeah, between the two of them yes. and the way they insult each other and it's just it's hilarious. So I th- I really appreciate the way that she can. Even though some dark things are happening, the humor is still present yeah. and it's very well written. Yes. Yeah, and that's what with attachments. I was trying to remember the the man's name. His name is Lincoln. I looked, but it was because so much of the book is about him. So he has this really unusual job where he. Well, I guess maybe it's not that unusual, <laughs> but anyway, he reads people's emails at the firm where he works that's his job is to every email that gets flagged he has to go through and read all this personal stuff and so a lot of the story is actually about beth and jennifer Mm -hmm. this really sweet relationship between these two very dear friends and it's his you know prying (laughs) into into this really sweet friendship and him kind of tumbling into this situation where he has all these feelings and and feels like he has gotten to know them because he is privy to this very private Mm -hmm. conversation between them. But I loved the banter throughout Mm -hmm. the emails and the tenderness between the friends. And I think that in Carry On, which Carry On is my personal favorite while we're all Mm -hmm. talking about our favorites here, Carry On, what I love so much is not just Simon and Baz, who I adore everything about their relationship but it's also Penny and Mm -hmm. how she fits with Simon and then later how she fits with Baz and I think that like all of that is and and Agatha and how Mm -hmm. her relationship is so different in some ways she's always like trying to get rid of them kind of but again I just think like so much of friendship is like that, but often not depicted yes. in books. And I think a lot of times that's, that's part of what it wears me out about romance books is a lot of times you don't get those rich character relationships that are between real people who are not just in, it's not just the two people in love. It's all of these people and they all have all these sides and they all are working out their problems and they're complicated and there, you know, none of them are perfect, but yet I think she portrays people who are very lovable. Mm-hmm. Yes. That happens in Landline as well. I feel like that is one of the better books I've read about a marriage. And it's just about the reality after that initial giddy stage of a relationship, what it's really like to be married to someone who you still love dearly. But now you're dealing with wrestling schedules and trying to fulfill the obligations of the other one's family and dealing with your kids. And so I think 
Yeah, she just she just gets it. And there are really, really sad parts in that book, but it is also quite funny. And a lot of it's just these little observations about the way our days go, about the way our days, you know, function, that it's almost like you're laughing because they ring so true that mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we do that. Oh, yeah. Like my husband and I have that conversation <laughs> all the time. And so I think the reality of it is one of the things that I think makes it so funny because it's, yeah, you see yourself reflected almost. And I think that's really unique to Rainbow Rowell is that, that she is able to write young adult and mm-hmm. I haven't read any of her, um, you know, adult stuff, but there we go again with that adult, yeah. <laughs> adult but her stuff written for our age group. Uh-huh. Um, but that if that she can do both well, I mean, that's a testament I feel to mm-hmm. a good writer. Yeah. I think looking at her work too, something I appreciate is that she is really including people from a variety of backgrounds and experiences in Eleanor and Park. You see Eleanor whose family is quite poor and you see Eleanor trying to, she's picked on a lot at school and she's trying to protect herself. She doesn't want people to know what her home is like. And I think that Raoul does a great job showing that she is just trying to protect herself and her family by being private, but then also means she's not reaching out for help in the way that I think we all hope teenagers would. But Raoul really understands what would prevent a teenager from doing that. Mm -hmm. Why, when she doesn't have a toothbrush, she doesn't just ask someone for it. She has really good reasons not to ask. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that as well. Yes. Yeah, and I think going back to what you were saying, Sarah, about the she she can both bridge the young adult and the adult, and also bridge fantasy mm-hmm. and realistic fiction, and that is also yeah. mind bending to yes. me because I think that it's just really rare that somebody is able to enter both a magical realm. And I was gonna say, in some ways, it's not that. I mean. I was going to say it's not that magical, but then I thought there are a lot of elements that really are. And so Mm -hmm. it isn't an entire world building where there's, where everything has been suspended from what we know about earth, but definitely there are a lot of magical components that I think she pulls off really masterfully within the carry on series. Mm -hmm. So I I think it's because it's so focused on daily life. Yeah. It is an epic and it is an epic story and you have that battle between good and evil. Well, it's not even, Yeah. Anyway, however you want to characterize it, but it is also very much rooted in, you know, where's your roommate and what do you Mm -hmm. do when you have a fight with your roommate and how are you going to get your homework done when you're also battling a monster? And yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes even that magical realm feel quite relatable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what, going back to what you were saying, Jen, about the varied backgrounds, I mean, you touched on this earlier, Sarah, with both Baz and Simon. I mean, mm-hmm. I think she does a lot to talk through what it is like to be an adolescent boy who is gay mm-hmm. and how that, what that experience might be like mm-hmm. for someone and how it might be different for Baz mm-hmm. versus Simon. And then I love like how that fits in with the fantastical realm and mm-hmm. how, I mean, she, you know, Baz talking about with his dad, maybe this is a spoiler, so I won't say it. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, there are other things going on and Baz feels like, him being gay is so much above all these other things that are definitely significant mm-hmm. factors in your family that are happening in his life. I think that, you know, all working through all of that stuff again, within this realm of characters who are just real and mm-hmm. believable and relatable to each yeah. other. Yeah. It's so rich. That's what I was going to say. I don't feel like she's saying 
I'm writing about a gay couple. Right. She's just writing about a couple who is gay. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens, like in Wayward Son, which I will not spoil, but it is very much just about their relationship and what happens after the big moment, the big epic thing is done. And, and Jen's not going to spoil it because neither Sarah nor I have finished it and we will have words. <laughs> yes. and yeah. that's, so that's all I'm going to say. But I just, I admire the way, she, again, she can consider both the beginnings of the relationship mm-hmm. that make you giddy, but also what happens later. Yes. And that that is just as much a part of a romance and a relationship as that giddy, lovely beginning when you first hold hands with someone. Yes. So... Mm-hmm. so we hope, if you have not read Rainbow Rowl, that you will now run immediately to your local bookstore or our website where you can click through. <laughs> I to, love that transition. <laughs> to purchase a book. So you can find us at unabridgedpod.com. <laughs> so we would now like to end our show with a give me one. And today's topic is one TV show that people should watch. So Sarah, would you like to start us off? Sure. I would love to start because... Our listeners know I have terrible taste in TV, so I went out on a limb and found something for you that is not terrible or reality-based. So <laughs> I wanted to, I'm doing this one because my husband and I watched this together, and we both really enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. We thought the acting was excellent. Um, it's really compelling. I would recommend the first two seasons are the best. Uh, the third season is good. It gets it goes off the rails a little mm. bit, but luckily for you, the seasons are all one story, so they mm-hmm. move. There's there's a like a thread that goes through all the seasons, but mo- but everything is kind of wrapped up in terms of what the major focus of the season is. So, the the show is Justified, and it is an older show. I mean, not old, old, but <laughs> it's an older show. So it is streaming. We watched it on Amazon Prime. We binged it. And it was great. It is great, great acting and um, great story. It's set in um, Kentucky, Harlan County, Kentucky. It is about um, the opioid crisis. It is about um, living in a small town and the things that happen. And then there's some dramatic effects. But it's a really, really great show. Very good storytelling. Mm -hmm. So that's justified. I have not watched that. I I think you would love it. All right, Ashley. So I I was realizing oh. I didn't remember where we streamed this. So I wanted to talk about The Good Place, which I <laughs> absolutely loved. Listeners know that I am not big on TV, <laughs> so my list is quite short of things that I have enjoyed. But I loved this one. I think so the premise is that the people are the people wake up in this place and it's that they are dead. And that they have gone to the good place and where everything is perfect. And so that's the premise. And also that one of them is feeling like maybe she shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, you know, the very beginning. And like Sarah said, it does go off the, for me, it went off the rails a little bit. I think it was like midway season one, beginning of season two, somewhere around there. I, it spread a little thin for me, but man, I am so glad I stayed with it because I love everything about it. And I saw recently that. It looks like season four, now episode one, is streaming. So I am excited to see that. So I don't know where... Oh, I didn't know that. 
Oh, see, once again, pop culture. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I just loved it. I thought that the character development is really rich. I think it's really funny, but it's also interesting commentary about what we value and why and, and just, yeah, a lot of tenderness that develops between all the characters that I really love. So that's the good place. And I don't remember where I watched it. Can y'all say? Uh, I watched it on Netflix, and I watched it on Netflix when I watched. It must have been on Netflix for me. That's what I only stream. So it it definitely is like Sarah was saying. It is available on those services. I think maybe it's Netflix. I'm pretty sure I watched or both. All right. So my show is Fleabag, and I loved this show so much. I basically binged the first season. There are only two seasons, and I think it's done. I binged the first season and then almost immediately convinced my husband to watch it with me, and we watched it again because I love it so much. <laughs> Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who is the star and the the actress who plays the main character who is nameless, so in synopses they always call her just Fleabag, is absolutely brilliant. It started as a one-woman play, and then she adapted it for Amazon Prime. It just won a bunch of Emmys. Anyway, that's it is simultaneously the funniest and the saddest show I have watched in a long time. She Fleabag is foul and <laughs> just puts everything out there, but she is grieving her mother who died of breast cancer and her best friend who died in a horrible accident. And she is trying to figure out how to go on after them. She's trying to figure out if she is lovable. Season one is great. Season two may be the most perfect season of television I've ever watched. Like, it is just absolutely amazing. It's only six episodes. They're a half hour each, so you can watch it very quickly. Like, I could start it again today and watch it again. It is just (laughs) one of my favorite things ever. So that is Fleabag. Again, you can watch that on Amazon Prime. All right, that is it for Unabridged today. So again, if you can find us on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review, also unabridgedpod.com. Thanks so much. Bye. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at unabridgedpod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.